Welcome to Web of Resonance. I'm Teresa Carmody with Elemental Journeys, and I'm here with my friend Ken Edwards, and I am the Rune Walker. All right. So I will tell you the light has been kicking my ass this week. <laughs> kicking my ass. <laughs> so are you sunburned? I am. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm sunburned. It's very interesting. My reaction has been, uh, there have been a couple days where I feel like I'm really going into a depression. Oh. And, um, and you know, I've just been so busy that I can kind of distract myself out of it. Yeah. Uh, because I haven't quite figured out, there's a part of me that's really resisting it. Uh, while there's also a part of me that recognizes that that's often the call that I feel to the darkness. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I haven't quite figured it out uh, because it feels out of time for me. It feels out of sequence. That's I usually will feel that right after the equinox. It's often the thing that calls me back into the darkness uh, heading towards Samhain. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if that's okay. I'm opening up to the light now. And because I am, the darkness is trying to balance. Hmm. Um, well, there's a different kind of safety in the light that, um, like you said to me last week, or when we were talking last week, there's a different kind of safety that, so we found safety and comfort in the dark. And to try and find that in the light is something just like going into the dark to find it is this big process and probably even a little bit more because of our background in Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's it's been a really uh, different experience trying to open to the light uh, now I like theoretically in my head, I'm pretty clear the light is not what you have been taught it is or what you have experienced because you were experiencing it through the lens of what you were taught. Yeah. It's something different um, and it's safe. And yet it's, it's weird. I actually have when, you know, when I have the 16 years of night terrors, I was, I was afraid of going into the dark and I notice that I'm afraid of going into the light now. Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah does is it this do you feel that fear in the same place you did before when it was going into the dark or is it in a different place no oh that's interesting no it's actually in a different place so when I was afraid of going into the dark it was like a full body terror um and mostly in my gut I would say that was kind of the uh origination point the fear I feel about going into the light is actually a little bit higher up. So, you know, if you're thinking about your chakra si system, it's my third chakra, which is all about power. Mm -hmm. And I notice that every time I, um, I, I'll do a journey like into the light and the journey will be fine and I'll come kind of back. And part of the integration, I'm like, I'm fearful of it. And I think what's getting evoked is like a very little girl part of me that going into the light means being judged. It means um, 
encountering a very stern parent who, um, no matter how hard I've tried, will always find fault with something. Yeah. Do you do that to yourself? Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am my own worst critic. Um, and I think I've been working with that uh, part of myself for a while. I thought I had changed its voices. Yeah. Uh, so I thought I had given myself kinder voices to kind of evaluate things. Um, but, you know, it's something that when I do improv, it, everybody talks about the inner critic quite a bit. Uh, because it's the thing you you have to get past to be able to be really in the flow of creativity. Yeah. So yeah. so maybe you know walking in the light now is just kind of shining a little more light on my inner critic could use a little more work. Well, uh, that's for me. That's one thing I've I've been noticing is that uh, that. <laughs> that inner critic comes out and then it overflows onto the actions of other people. And then I'm frustrated because I know that I'm not frustrated with them. I'm, fr I'm a little frustrated with myself. And then I start criticizing other things that really aren't that big of a fucking deal. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the frustration has been probably the key word uh, for the last week. And um it's interesting because when I, uh, you know, uh, more neutrally look at what my last week has been, there have been some really awesome things that have happened. And yet there's the, I feel like this, uh, I feel like, you know, those dreams when you want to run and you need to run and you feel the urge to run, but <laughs> your body moves in slow motion Yep. and you can't make it move faster. Yep. I, yeah, it's That's been exactly. like that. So there's been the, I mean, these wonderful things that are happening and yet this frustration as well. Yes, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's been an interesting, there's progress and then there's not and it's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I think the frustration builds to a point where I start to, um get depressed and I'll get sad and I start and that's when the inner critic oh my god does she come up then that's when she's like uh you're doing something wrong this is your fault um mm -hmm. and after you know that can only happen so long before what gets triggered in me is the destroyer <laughs> it's like okay I'm gonna blast every fucking thing yeah oh yeah um so, you know, I mean, we left last week with me really uh, resonating with the question of where's the chaos and the dark, or I'm sorry, where's the chaos and the light? Um, and I think I encountered it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it. I think it's that frustration of, of you know, wanting to move faster than uh, maybe you physically can. And, it, you know, I think that's synchronizing the different ways of knowing and the embodiment of things, because, you know, your mind can work at lightning speeds. My emotional um, life works pretty fluidly. And my body is the slowest part of all that. Mm -hmm. Which means manifesting is the slowest part of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I'm probably getting in my own way, which that that is not new for me. Um, no, we we are taught to do that. Yeah, I'd like to meet the part of me that that gets in my own way and just ask her, "What are you trying to accomplish here?" Because right. I believe there's something functional there. I just don't know what it is. Um, the closest I've ever gotten to an idea about that is that there are times when that same part of me will slow me down because I need slowing down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there are times when I'll have a precognitive knowing and not recognize that it's precognitive and yeah. try to act on it. And when I feel resistance there, then I go, oh, okay, I'm out of time. And so I distract myself with other things and ask my unconscious, you know, when the time is right, bring it back into my awareness and I'll act on it. But again, that's working in the dark realms. That's working with my unconscious, asking my unconscious to partner. I really don't know how to do it when uh, I'm in the light realm. Like, I don't know if that resistance means the same thing in the light realm. Yeah. Guess I just gave myself more homework. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so, you know, we, we talk about the inner realms being the dark realms and, um, or the darker realms, uh, you know, but what if, what if, they're the light right how uh do you uh what if if, we have it inside out and backwards yeah like like what what if um you know how i talk about sitting in the three in the center of the three bubbles that then i can move and bring things to me well what if we're able to you know one of those is actually um we, so we think about, sorry, we think about our unconscious as being the dark, but what about, if it, what if it's the light? What if it's actually what we're going to, and we just think of it as the other? You know, you're actually raising questions that that is exactly what led to my fall from grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> meaning that, uh, you know, the night terrors for me started directly after a trip to Israel, which was incredibly potent with all kinds of, um, you know, bringing to life all the Bible stories that I had known. And, um, and there, and so it started this exploration of wanting to move beyond the Bible and just things that I was taught all the mystical stuff that exists within Catholicism, but they don't give you access to unless you're, uh, you know, a clergy or deep into it already. Yeah. Um, and so I just on my own started reading like the Gnostic Bible. And I remember, um, I don't even remember what I had read in there, but I remember what it evoked in me was this thought that scared the shit out of me, which was, what if everything I've been taught is exactly the opposite of what is? <laughs> And that thought was so dangerous. It was like all of a sudden, uh, you know, different things that I had read in the Bible started to take on a new meaning. You know, uh, there's a teaching that the God of this world is Lucifer. 
and then all of a sudden Lucifer and Jesus started to kind of be the same energy. And it scared me so much that um, I actually, for a while, I rejected all of it and became as Catholic as I've ever been in my life just to try to, you know, restore some sense of uh, sanity and balance. (laughs) I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if the Catholic Church had been a little more feminine friendly, I might still be Catholic. Well, good thing they're not. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be here talking to you. No, no, that's right. That's, that's for damn sure. Yeah. Wow. So wow. it seems to me like, uh, we've already started our episode and maybe we've gotten to the point where it's time to pull our divination tools for this week. Yeah, I think that's, I was just kind of thinking the same thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it when we're on the same page. I was just like, you know what? Um, well, we can either take what we just talked about and make that an extra after we publish episode nine, or we just at the very end record, hey, welcome to Web Resonance, and then jump right in and yeah. put it back at the beginning. So yeah. I think it's, I, yeah. I think this is our next episode already. Yeah, I think so too. Funny how the lines are starting to blur a little bit. Our boundaries are not quite as clear as they once were, huh? Um, which is good. I think that's good, too. I, I'd rather be in a fluid state. Uh, and a, a much more uh, surrendering to the fluidity of the state in which I am. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. That keeps coming up. Water keeps coming up for me. Um, and we're still in the season of fire. Uh, so I've just been kind of noticing that and um, just trying to pay attention to is, um, you know, when the wheel turns, for me, it doesn't have clear boundaries either. It's more fluid, like what we're talking about. The, the boundaries become more diffuse um and uh there's a bit of an overlap when we get closer to the cusps of things yeah and uh you know thursday is lunasa so i i think that you know a lot of my feelings and a lot of the language i'm starting to use for the energy that's contextual is really starting to move from that fiery language to the water language so um yeah, I'm just I'm just noticing I'm feeling that a little bit early this year. It's uh this year those I think more than ever for me the seasons or the um the elements of the seasons have been not out of whack but they're they have their own rhythm this year that has maybe been different than I've noticed before. Yeah. I also noticed I was inspired last Samhain that one of the things um, that uh, I didn't realize I was asking this, but I think I was, was I have a practice where um, I try to do a physical practice honoring the wheel of the year uh, with yoga So I'll do like a sun salutation to each of the directions. 
with the awareness that I am honoring the direction and all the gifts of the direction. I'm honoring the element of that direction. And I move usually in a clockwise circle. Um, so I always start with uh, whichever direction the season is. So like right now, I'm starting my sun salutations in the south. And I make a full circle. And to me, I'm tuning in with the energy of everything, of all the directions, all the elements. And last Samhain, I remember as I was doing that, really trying to also be mindful that in each direction, though, there is a, uh, um, I don't want to say like a dominant element, but more like a, um, uh, one element is just in its time. And so it feels prominent, but the others are also present. Yes. And I think I was asking the question to be more aware of, you know, in the time of earth, how do fire, water and air, what part do they play? Where are they uh, when earth is the season? And likewise for each of them. Um, and so I'm wondering if that's not part of what's happening, but it does create a little bit of chaos because then they're always there and their relationship changes with each season. Um, yeah. And it gets, it gets a little overwhelming. Well, I mean, it, it, the complex, the, when you start living it at first, uh, like um, Morgan, when she commented, she sent us a comment, which everybody listening can do as well. <laughs> you can send us a comment or a question uh, via um, audio message and then we'll jump on and, and uh, respond to it and publish it with whichever episode. But the one question that she had was, how do I start to live this wheel of the year even more? And when you start, it seems very simple. Oh, okay, we're moving into, you know, Nasa's this, you know, this week. Then after that, we're going to have um, the uh, equinox. And then we, you know, it's all very like simple and still quite linear. But the minute you start throwing it into the complexities of the cycles, within the cycles, within the cycles, within the cycles, then you all of a sudden, I just saw this image of um, a watch that has uh, all of these little cogs in it that you see the from the front, the time going around, but then you turn it around and there are different sized cogs that then move and move within it and some spin faster and some spin slower. But when you get into that, then of course that feels like it could be very uh, complex and uh, moving into that as a place of uh, confusion because we've never lived in that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's both, it's so paradoxical to me, to me. Uh, for the reason that you said it's difficult because it can be very complex and how do you wrap your mind around it? How do you make your way through it? Um, and I, on the other hand, that's the beauty of it is that it is so complex. There are many entry points. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, we talk about Samhain as being both the beginning and the end, but, uh, it, you know, you could equally say that, um, in bulk is the beginning because it's the first time you see the signs of life above ground, um, 
you could see summer is the beginning because that's when the fruit starts to happen. Um, you could see, uh, you know, Lunasa as the beginning uh, because that's when the harvest begins and you start clearing space for something new. They're really, the beauty I think of the cycle is that in each phase of the cycle, there is a beginning and an ending. You are ending one phase and beginning a new phase. And so uh, for that reason, um, you know, I think you can start wherever you are. You don't have to wait for something to start this practice. Um, as a matter of fact, in a lot of ways, we're all walking this particular path, whether we do it intentionally and we have ritual around it, or if we are just inhabitants of the earth that, you know, the earth changes seasons and we're all affected by that. Absolutely. I think it was, it was funny because I started to um, study or revisit Druidry uh, a while ago. And um, I, the, the Druidry.org is who I went through and they're based out of the UK. And I was really mad because I wanted to start at Samhain and I couldn't get my stuff before Samhain. And so I couldn't start, you know, and it was just that kind of, uh, well, I have to start here. Of course, I want to start here. You, know? <laughs> you have it, to start at the beginning for good Right, sake. which is so, and, you know, being able to go through that and now realize like I can jump in anywhere. And also if I'm asking for maybe a little guidance, uh, show me, you know, where to start on the wheel with this problem or this process and it can even give you a, a better idea of um the process you need to go through by where it or the oneness or whatever uh shows you to start on the wheel like that could give you insight too if you're looking for uh some divination using the wheel of the year yeah all uh, right I thought your card was beautiful. I saw it. And I think she's fiery and sassy. <laughs> she is fiery and sassy. She has that little glint in her eye that it's like, oh, this could be fun or I could end up dead. Yeah. I have a friend who just told me the other day that uh, she likes me best when I'm feisty. And I thought, yeah, that's the Queen of Wands. <laughs> she likes you best when you're feisty because she's never experienced being on the other end of the feisty. Uh, that's true. She's never be been on the other end of feisty. Sometimes can be uh, <laughs> mischievous and playful and let's go have an adventure. Uh, but feisty can also be, uh, you've pissed me off and now I'm going to fuck with you. I kind of feel like it's a slight, it's a, I, sorry. Um, for those people who don't know Teresa or what she looks like, go to her page, Elemental Journeys, <laughs> see what she looks like, and then picture her as a dominatrix because that's what I thought. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a new business idea. You know, <laughs> if, uh, if, everything else fails i will keep that in mind <laughs> <laughs> oh okay should we pull yeah let's pull all right hmm. 
<laughs> Did you get yours? No, because they're being difficult. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so, well, let's do this. Before I pull them too, let's you and yeah. I just take a moment and just intentionally connect our energy and uh, just have the intention that whatever our divination tools uh, choose to reveal to us, that it would be something that would be useful in our combination. All right. How's that feel? Better. All right. My card jumped out at me uh, when I had that intention. How are you doing with the runes? Uh, good. Um, actually, <laughs> no, it's perfect. Okay, so I drew the rune Eeyore, uh, which has connection to the uh, being Jormungand uh, or Jormungand or uh, this is the Midgard servant. And um, the some of the so what what uh what it's bringing up what it's bringing to the forefront for me at the moment is um the serpent energy uh and this energy of well let me back up let me start with okay hold on serpent energy um the Midgard serpent holds the oceans around Midgard. So it holds Midgard together and it also protects it from that out lens or uh, the lens out beyond that. And um, it's one of the monsters that is produced by Angerboda and Loki. So it's the, it's the sibling of hell or Hela. Um, it Which was have... last week. Wasn't that yeah. last week we had that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, it, oh, it was the week before because last week we pulled two. That's right. Okay. So um, it also uh, speaks to boundaries. It speaks to uh, being able to break through boundaries. Um, mostly kind of the boundaries that you've set for yourself. Um, it speaks to uh, the fact that um, these monstrosities are loved by, you know, and accepted and they're part of what needs to happen. Okay, everything's really coming clear now. So um, I'm going to leave it there for a minute. Uh, and let's tell me what you got and go with your card and then we'll kind of dive into uh, other things about how this is super appropriate. Well, I think this is going to be fun uh, because I think uh, just intentionally taking a moment and connecting our energy is really paying off uh, yeah. because I pulled the Knight of Cups 
and um, I'm going to describe the card in the deck that I'm using. Um, there's uh, a young man and there is a silver grail cup sitting in front of him and he's looking at the cup but not into the cup and um, you know often uh, you know the way that you scry is that you take some kind of bowl or cup you fill it with water and you gaze into the water and that will then take you into kind of a visual state and you start having a journey. Uh, it's often symbolic of self-reflection. And uh, this young man, he's looking at the cup, but not into it. And the look on his face, his body posture uh, feels like there's something about looking into the cup that he's somewhat avoiding. <laughs> um <laughs> And so that's interesting. This is also a card that in this deck I have not come across very often. So I'm immediately associating it with uh, the deck that I use more frequently when I do readings. Um, and in that deck, the imagery is of a knight in full armor standing with his feet in uh, like a river. And behind him is an otter popping up. And there's uh, a grail cup in his hand. And that card to me always takes me right to uh, the round table. And um, God, why am I blanking on his name? The Lancelot. Lancelot and his whole role in that particular story. And that though he's the, you know, heart love of Guinevere, he leaves and sacrifices his love in search for the Holy Grail, which is this idyllic form of, you know, cups is all about the heart and love and the unconscious. And so it's like he, he leaves the love that is um, true, but fraught with all kinds of entanglements to go search for a pure form of love that he never actually finds. Yeah. And the, uh, and the cauldron is you know is i think um a synergistic image from then the tradition more like what you and i walk of the grail it's not but it's not quite as idyllic it tends to be to me the cauldron um is very mystical but it also feels very practical to me whereas mm -hmm. the grail cut feels idyllic yeah yeah, there's there's something about the Grail cup uh, because in the runes, the Kalk it represents kind of the Holy Grail, like what one's uh, fulfillment would be. And uh, I I've never seen. I don't want to lie. I don't. I've never seen the Grail the Kalk as being connected to um, the cauldrons. It's, it's very, it does seem very um, idealistic um, and the cauldron very practical. That... I'm thinking of though right now is that so Angerboda is the uh, mother of 
Hella Fenris, Jormungand, Jormungand. And the one thing that um, she does well and kind of brings up is she's a master of, she's a master warrior. She's chief of all the clans. She's also um, a shaman, uh, so to speak. And she, the her thing is, unless you can bring not unless uh there is necessity for being able to yes i'm i'm mastering these magical things but i need to bring them into the physical world or it, or it doesn't really um serve we are on the same page so as uh you were speaking uh i'm looking at my card i'm listening to you and the thought comes to me that I think the true message of the card that I pulled really is about that when one is dreaming we're often dreaming in the ideal state and that the ideal struggles to manifest because it is ideal there's not a lot of practicality to it Um, and so it doesn't include the darker aspects Um, And so in order to move from kind of that dreaming state into something more manifest requires self-reflection. It requires you to look at yourself, to look at what um, is deep within that also needs to be recognized and included in the dream. Um, And the feel of what both of us are pulling feels so watery to me. I don't know if you're feeling a real elemental presence Um, but to me, it's like, uh, our divination tools, our whole talk today so far has kind of been the water of Lunas is starting to beckon. It's starting to, uh, you know, call us towards, uh, towards it. And, uh, for me, it feels like it's calibrating my energy for the shift that's coming or that's in process really. Yes. Oh yeah. It feels very much like the tide's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read the, so, uh, it's so interesting that we're talking about this because, uh, for any of you listening, I really love Raven Caldera and, um, the books are intense and immense, but, uh, I was reading in the, one of his books the other day, I believe it's the Northern, your, uh, Northern Shaman book. And uh, it's by he, him and uh, a woman named Galina Kraskova. Well, they're talking about um, this. So it's a kind of the path to a shamanic practitioner or a shaman in the Northern traditions. That, thank you, Northern traditions. That's the word I was looking for. And one of the things they talk about is uh, they talked about in the very beginning was something might not show up for you whether it, not necessarily the elements, but it, when you start working with other beings or deity or whatnot in the, not in our uh, realm, what happens is sometimes they don't show up because you have such an idealistic as like a picture in your head of what they are supposed to be that they never yeah. show up because yeah. they can't show up for that. And, um, when you were talking about that just a minute ago, uh, that's the, the, the reference that came to me because that literally was just probably two days ago, um, just reading through that. And I thought, well, that's, 
that's super interesting because most people do have this, uh, okay, quit generalizing. Some of us have a very idealistic version of what like Odin looks like or what the Morrigan looks like or, you know, these different things. And it actually fucking pisses me off. I'm getting a little irritated because there people do that thing where it's like, well, it's, it's Hecate and she's this and she's dark and she's dangerous. I'm like, yeah, but like, and the Morgan, yes, like Odin, you know, all of these things are different, but they're ideally in our head this way, but having them show up mm, in a different way or a lighter way um, or a heavier way, if it's, you know, Freya, yes, she's section and magic and all of those things, but I'm pretty sure that bitch owns a whip and she likes to get down <laughs> to stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we have these ideals that that are so unfair uh, to the beings on the other side. This reminds me of when you told me once um, you were talking about um, journeying and only shamanic journeying with a purpose or with a question. And um, you said that leaves zero input from the other side except the answer that you want right all of this really for me is um so i feel i feel a little water i feel a lot water right now i feel um uh intense depth of water at the moment but the well i think that's good maybe the water is mixing things up you know as as you're talking i'm thinking oh my god so we just pulled cards that are about water they're about boundaries they're about self-reflection to move from an idyllic phase into something that uh can be manifested and um and i'm realizing that that has been my struggle with the light this last week is that it is so ingrained in me that the light realm is idyllic you know heaven is up there right and heaven is perfection heaven doesn't have flaw nor does it admit anyone with flaw um you know um in order to get there you either have to at least in my catholicism uh you have to go through purgatory to be purged and cleansed or outside of catholicism then you have the sacrifice which is jesus to make all of us worthy Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and you know maybe that's part of the frustration i've been feeling with the light is that that right there is the idea it's the ideal that's what needs to be dismantled yes so speaking of dismantling <laughs> yes <laughs> um so um i you and I spoke last Tuesday after I had done some journeying uh, Monday night, which for those of you, right, we, we record on Monday traditionally. Um, and in my journeying, um, I was told uh, that the message from uh, the Nornir was, uh, you're a servant of the roots. And um, I have been thinking which is the problem, right? I'll preface it with that. <laughs> I've been thinking about that all week. And what does that mean? Um, I've asked a couple, uh, you know, friends and colleagues. I'm like, okay, so if I were to say to you, you're a servant of the roots and 
in the context would be, you know, Yggdrasil or uh, the world tree, whatever the system is. And, uh, you know, what, what does that mean to you? And everyone does the same thing I did, which was immediately I go to, okay, well, I'm going to Google, you know, how do you take care of roots? Uh, what do you, you know, what do you do to, to help them or care for them? And um, one of the things that uh, I was told at the same time was, uh, let you know, ask the Druid, like just ask the Druid, which is another, you know, kind of uh, part of me or guide and because um, he would know about the trees. Uh, and I thought, okay, um, I journeyed again. A couple of days later, he kind of showed me a couple things, which didn't super make sense. And wait, don't pass by that. What did he show you? Um, so it was a root. And uh, the way I described it the other day was we see it as being them as being underground. However, it felt like I was above ground because the denseness of the soil felt like air. Yes. So I could, you know, I could move freely in it and it wasn't like digging around in dirt. If Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So um, he showed me that uh, he like put his arms around a root and kind of cleared away energy from it or what, uh, actually, I don't even know what the fuck. I just know he showed me to do that. And then, um, then there was something about, I, I couldn't quite interpret the energy of what he was doing. I just saw the movement. Um, and so I was with that. And I've also sat this week with the fact that um, in Norse mythology, uh, Nidhogg is the serpent yes. that goes, uh, you know, lives in, in the roots. And uh, depending on, there's so many interpretations of it, but um, Nidhogg, I've always kind of seen it as the one that it'll eat the dead roots or it'll eat the things in the soil and it, um, you know, shits out fertilizer, which then helps the roots. And um, that always felt, so I'm like, oh, okay, I can understand. I can, I can, that's what it meant. It just never felt, since last week, it doesn't feel right. Um, And. Wait, Wait, what do you mean it doesn't feel right? So, yeah, it still felt like a uh, square peg round hole. Well, I'll, th- I'll tell you, uh, there are so many things that are uh, connecting dots with what we're talking about today and what you're describing your experience to be. Yeah. I think it's, it's very interesting to me that uh, you were already journeying with uh, Nidhogg and that today when you first started talking about your rune today you started with it being dragon or serpent yeah um when you were talking about servant of the roots i wrote down uh worms and mushrooms oh that, that both of them so like the worms will will continually eat that which is decaying at the tips of the roots 
Um, and I don't mean just the very tip, the, the part that's growing, the growing edge. I mean, all along the root, the outer edge starts to decay. And so the worms eat that off. And the mushrooms are actually the mycelium. They're the network that exists under the ground that is the network of communication for trees. And they serve a very similar, um, it serves a similar purpose to the worms in that it's a fungus that absorbs all of the decaying material from the roots so that the roots are clear to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, and as you were speaking, I was, I had this, I felt compelled to tell you that uh, you need to shift your perspective in the next journey. You actually need to, it's not about meeting Nidhogg. It's about shape-shifting and asking Nid, Nidhogg to allow you to shape-shift into it so that you can experience what that is like. What is it actually like to clear the roots? Do you want to, um, uh, do you remember when I went to Ireland and um I told you the Fae gave me a name. Yes. And it was the stomach. The, the literal translation was the stomach. I didn't remember that part, but that's interesting. Yep. So um, all of this is very, <laughs> there are a lot of dots being connected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, I will do that. Thank you. Because I, um, uh, sorry, I'm just jotting down notes. Um, but uh the 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 one other thing that I came upon, which I had never um, heard before, but it was an interesting uh, translation that felt it started to feel a little bit like I wasn't reaching for something, was the fact that uh, in some of the stories, Nidhogg is actually um, devouring the roots to un to destabilize the tree and um <laughs> it was very interesting to me that last time we spoke uh we i can't remember if it was on the podcast or the next day but we talked about it uh our movement and our podcast and things being uh very root root from the roots not top down uh because we had talked about uh hierarchy and how things exist from the top down yeah. and um, it felt and it, uh, so Nidhogg is this, this chaos of uh, destabilizing the tree. And I then started thinking, uh, tying back to your, uh, when you spoke a minute ago or 15, cause I'm long winded, but <laughs> the, um, the thing was um, it felt very much okay for me to say part of what I've found is that my work is to destabilize the foundation so that it can mm, be reshaped or uh, re God, uh, it has to grow in a different way. So yeah. uh, does that make sense? It felt absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, so you're saying my work is, um, uh, you know, the immediate question that pops into my head is, 
is that your work like your life's purpose a theme like that or is that the work that needs to be done now like the time now is calling you to do this work but it's not necessarily um something that will persist past this particular time um it feels like there are multiple well not feels like there are multiple people doing the same work there it feels very much like um sometimes there's just it just happens I'm, i'm sure it happens for all of us but um there are just times when i just the my presence around somebody really rocks them and they don't know uh you know why or what and it's it's a little um uneasy yeah Uh, not you know not in a bad way but i also think that it feels like there that's part uh this go around (laughs) if you if i i believe that we kind of come back and things cycle but um this go around feels very much like it's that time to mm, shake it up and bring it down because um in the past i have helped bring it into being (laughs) it's just oh that that well that makes a lot of sense to me because you and i have talked a lot you brought up your trip to ireland and and you know before you went you and i talked and uh to me I could see a very clear purpose about that trip for you. Right. And, and, you know, it had to do with that time of changing when uh, that region shifted from their pagan roots into Christianity and what part you played and what you were going back to kind of reconcile with. Um, So I think it's interesting that you're saying that because it reverberates for me something that I've kind of, I saw active then and I didn't know if that was, oh, Ken's going to Ireland, so this is the thing to do, or uh, Ken might be a reincarnation of, and this is his karma. Um, It was unclear because I didn't have the larger context. Yeah, it feels, it feels very much like. Well, I, uh, when I started last week, I thought, okay, take me, cause I, we were working with the light. I'm like, take me to the light, like take me show, you know, let, let me experience the light. And I very much was, and I don't, I really don't think, I, I don't feel like I was stepping in and saying, no, um, it didn't feel resistant that way because I felt I was so open to doing it, but it also coincided with me trying to create um, to weave a web for the next uh, moving into the future of different projects that I needed to be weaved together. And I was told, you know, no, you've, you've got to wait for a minute because the way you have it is not quite right. And the thing that really was missing was when I was told, you know, you're a servant of the roots. So all of not, not necessarily, um, was that happening in my goals, but I was coming at it from the perspective, uh, a different perspective. Yeah. Like the servant of the roots, really me saying, okay, I'm going to work in the spirit, this spiritual community. And 
I'm coming at it from what angle I want to, I just, I, I like helping people uh, break through and, and uh, see, oh, I, yeah, that was not the way I really thought about that. It's just what I was told. So I, I like to see that, that freedom of that uh, and to see people grow like that. And uh, it very much felt like now I understand maybe I, there's clarity up about the perspective from which I'm coming and it's coming from the roots. Uh, it's about those foundational things. It's about those things that keep us stable, but we're really not super stable. We've got to, you know, even if it's the concept of, you know, eating the parts that are decaying so that the roots can grow deeper. And, and differently. Yes. Yeah. Is so, because, you know, part of that is destabilizing. I can imagine even a healthy tree, you know, if something starts to eat at my roots, there, there may be a part of me of, are you eating to facilitate my growth or are you eating to destabilize me because my time is over? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you and know, it could our, go either way. And it could be both at the same time. Absolutely. Well, yeah. because one part of you dies. I mean, you and I have been, it keeps coming up over and over how we shed our Christianity. Yep. And for me, that's a big part of what happened was that um, that faith, I hung on to that faith for dear life. Um, and uh, and it, eventually it crumbled f out from under me. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, and yet I didn't die. Right. But I became oh. something new. Yes. Part that, that old person did. That old person <laughs> yep. did die. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It's, um, it's, it's, you know, life's just interesting. I, I hadn't really, I don't know. Part of me said, okay, I'm just going to have to let this roll out because no fucking answer I'm getting is the right, you know, like it all just felt very not right. Uh, it, nothing settled. Into not complete. No. Right. Yes. Yeah. Cause to me, you're getting, you're getting the right answer. You're getting, it's almost like if, if I were trying to explain something to someone and I deliver it in one metaphor and, and that doesn't quite ring true for them. So I delivered in another metaphor and that doesn't quite ring true. And I just keep going at it from different angles, giving you different metaphors. I think all of them are true, actually. I think, I think you have gotten all of the answers in many different iterations, but because what was delivered to you was so many different iterations, you're having a hard time finding what's the message that is uh, the, what is the unifying message of all of these different answers? Yeah. Cause I, you know, uh, it's kind of like looking at a job description and I I'm looking for only one thing to do. No, there's a job description. You have to lift 50 pounds. You have to be able to, you know, do all these things and no, no position only has one. Um, right. I also think too, coming back to your card is like, I had a, I had this, idea of what that looked like uh when I was told that and it didn't work so it's interesting 
that you know your your card has the the knight is it the knight yes he's the knight of cups well he's staring at the cup not into the cup i feel like i looked in the cup and pulled it back and i have like a very like wait what the fuck just happened like, <laughs> i'm looking at the process and of, of i'm looking in my cup of my my holy grail saying this is what it should be and i'm looking in and i'm like mm, i don't think that's wine i don't think that's me i don't think that's whiskey I'm not really sure what's in that cup right now, but I thought whatever is in that cup is going to fulfill me. That is so awesome. I'm so happy you're saying that because to me, um, the feeling I get from this card is I just want to encourage him. No, go ahead and look into the cup. See what you see. There's no reason to be afraid because you already know it. And yeah. you already know it because it is about self-reflection. It is about looking at oneself and seeing a little bit deeper and embracing a little bit more and living a little bit more authentically. And, um, and you know, ultimately, you do want to drink what's in the cup that you've just looked into yourself with. And so there's, there's a whole integration process that I think happens when you scry is that you're looking into whatever liquid you've poured, you're having whatever journey you have, and it's meant to be self-revelatory. And then once you kind of know you have this kind of vision or intellectual knowing, you actually drink what is in the cup in order for it to become part of your inner world and inner knowing. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, I mean, that might be right there, how you move from having the idyllic dream to really embodying and starting to manifest is, um, you know, you don't pour out the cup. Uh, although I've actually seen many practitioners do that when they, when they fill a chalice, they'll give like the water or something to a plant. Um, I am never going to do that again, or uh, at least not unless I'm directed to, Um because to me this card is you're actually missing the point you're not able to embody the visions that you just had yes and so uh it'll be something that i will alter in my rituals now when i pour water in a cup and i'm using it as part of my circle to journey into self-reflection i'm going to drink that water from now on yeah because you've, yeah. you've put something in it yeah Hmm. Fascinating. Oh, that's so complex and simple. Well, Lunasa is coming up. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's the ritual all about cups and water. So it's going to be yeah. really fascinating. Uh, I think what happens for both of us in our individual practices about how we celebrate that, it'll be a very interesting Lunasa this year, I think. Uh, I, I agree. I think, is it, it's first it's first harvest or second? It's first, first harvest. First harvest. Okay. So, yeah. So it's, it's initiating the harvest season. Um, and it's uh, turning from the element of fire to the element of water. Um, and, uh, you know, then we're only about a month away. Oh, no, probably about six weeks away from uh, the equinox, which, you know, so we're still in the last little bit of the light half of the year. Yes. Hmm. 
And for those who are listening, Lunasa is kind of traditionally dated August 1st. So that's that's coming up here very quickly. Although by the time this episode is published, it might have just gone by. Yep. So we might want to try to publish this actually before Lunasa. Yeah. Yeah, I will work on it today. Um, So you guys can have it before it. Um, I also was... uh, I remember seeing somewhere it was a date of like the first through the fourth. Like, I don't, you know, I have calendars that say kind of the first, but I think that's arbitrary. You know, any, any fixed date is not going to be accurate because the fixed date is based on the Roman calendar. uh, When the wheel of the year is actually based on a lunar calendar. So it, it's never as precise as some of the resources out there make you think. Um, uh, probably in its most precise, you'd have to have a lunar calendar. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I loved that about your response to Morgan um, when you talked about starting out with a lunar. Um, did you say not start out with? Oh, well, I, I think I mentioned that, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things that kind of came simultaneously for me when I started walking and I just didn't know what to do with it. So I kind of, um, you know, I put it on the back burner. Um, but now that I've walked for a while, I recognize how foundational that is because it, it, it was a lunar calendar that the wheel kind of came from and cycles with and um and it real i think i had to put it on the back burner because it really um it's a very different way of telling time Mm -hmm. and uh i don't think i was ready for it uh i actually think i'm just now starting to get ready for it uh because what i can intuitively sense is that it's going to take me out of the time that i'm used to operating in yeah. And I'm worried about uh, walking in both timelines in a way that, you know, I still want to be able to keep appointments and I have a lot going on. I don't want to drop too many balls. Right. Um, and I know that I, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to feel what does lunar time feel like in my body? How does it change how I move through the world when I'm aware of and, and tracking time? Uh, with the cycles of the moon as opposed to the Roman calendar, which is, I guess, more solar. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the Roman calendar was based on, um, which is interesting. I, my guess is, is that most of us don't even think about it. This is just the year. We have 12 months. We have 365 and a quarter days. Um yep. You know, the fact that we have a quarter day tells you that the calendar isn't completely accurate. Right, right. Yeah. But we don't even think about it to question, uh, you know, this isn't the way reality is. This is the way somebody decided to organize how time moves. And then uh, because they were so so conquering and uh, empiric... um, we don't even know that this is an arbitrary mechanism used to count days. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. 
Oh, I was supposed to find a different word. That was my goal. Damn it. Well, there's always next week. There's always next week. Thank goodness. <laughs> I don't know. If you show up, I don't know. You start walking the lunar calendar. Or who knows? And we'll do this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I might show up on Sunday and you might show up on Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the fu- just to throw this in there, the funny thing that came up this week about lunar. So I uh, talked about, I got a new deck of cards that was given to me that is um divination uh, based upon yggdrasil and so there's 81 cards and there's nine cards in each of the nine worlds and that's it's really kind of fascinating one of the cards i drew this week was uh of one of the dark the dwarves yeah which are considered dark um and she uh works with the moon runes and i instantly was like you have to give me though <laughs> like <laughs> where are those you know and of course there's not in this realm or, or not recorded history but uh i thought that was really fascinating so um potentially walking a lunar uh path would uh open that up to me which would be really interesting yeah, well, I think that's part of why uh, I've resisted it a little bit, is I know it's going to open up a whole new way of orienting myself, and I'm aware that um, I tend to dive into things when I'm learning them, and if it's going to, uh, I don't want to become disoriented with the external world that I still have a lot going on in. Yes, um, and yet, I, I know that this is, uh, maybe this l- will be what happens in the dark half of the year, because I tend to withdraw a little bit from the external. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll see, you know, I mean, the truth is, is when something's calling you, if um, uh, the strength of that pull only sharpens until you answer the call. Right. Um Eeyore might be, if you're looking for things to work with, Eeyore might be great for you to work with and I'll send you the image for the upload and stuff. But, um, you know, Eeyore talks about the serpent. A serpent doesn't move in a straight line. And if you were to kind of put a straight line on it and the serpent, the way snakes move, they're in an S shape. So they're always in both. They're always on both sides of a line. So Eeyore is very uh, good for working with if you're trying to navigate um, being, you know, for example, in the physical and the spiritual. Um, if you're maybe looking at, I have to, my calendar is by the sun, but my, you know, I'm going to walk this lunar calendar now. Uh, it also provides uh, an interesting perspective because you are now no longer one or the other. You are both and you are always. And uh, it gives you a different perspective. Yeah, I would love that. I like your that's one of my it's one of my favorite. It's the rune that actually uh, probably was the first one that I really connected with when I uh, set out on this meandering journey. It's funny when you when you first pulled it and said that its name was Eeyore, I was, I was getting all getting kinds all of, of uh, images for the Winnie the Pooh character, <laughs> 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 which 
which I thought was funny because we started our discussion with my kind of saying that, you know, uh, one of the effects of uh, really trying to walk in the light realms this week was I started feeling a pull of depression. Yep. And, and that character is very depressed. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm not sure what that association is yet. Uh, but I think that it's, that it's interesting that it has that echo for me. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll have to I'll have to sit with that a little bit more. I'm sure it will reveal itself in time. I was just going to say I th I think that you're going to have to let us in next week about what happened. Yeah. Well, but, it'll reveal itself in time. The question now yeah. based on, you know, what we've been talking about time is will it be solar time or lunar time? <laughs> Eeyore is like blue and gray, so I'm going to go with lunar. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll let you know next week uh, <laughs> what workings it does with me. <laughs> so, are we are we having a full moon or a dark moon this week? Are we even close? I don't even know. Uh, we are having a dark moon, and yeah. I can uh, just check out on my little app here exactly what it is. Uh, so, my app here says new moon starts in two days, uh, and typically. Um, what they call the new moon uh, usually happens like the day after what I call the dark moon. Yeah, me too. I I prefer to work in the dark moon. Uh, well, to me, I don't. I really don't think that there is much of a difference, except that by using the term new moon, I think that is still evidence of the fear of the dark. Yeah. Our dark moon is on Lunasa. It's on July I 31st. It. I knew it. I knew it was going to be. Yeah. And uh, and it is the second dark moon of the month of July. So it's actually a blue dark moon. Just like Eeyore. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Oh man, this Lunas is going to be really potent. Can you feel like the momentum of it building up? Yep. Yeah, I, I absolutely can. Wow. I just It'll be really interesting to see uh, what Lunas is like. I think we'll, it, you know, maybe part of what's going to happen at least uh, in this particular turning is, I guess the wheel is really coming in more potently in what we're talking about and how we're relating to our tools. Um, and I, I just want to give a big, uh, thanks to Morgan because I think her question may have prompted that this energy needs more attention on our part. Yep. I agree. So any of you who are out there, uh, listening, feel free to comment, uh, feel free to send us a question via Facebook or via, you know, uh, web of resonance on, uh, anchor. And we'd be more than happy to uh, answer those. And we were on it. So hopefully we can do it within the first couple of days of getting it. Yes. So I think we've come to our conclusion. Yeah. I think so.